about suffering. And we've started a new series called Countercultural, and it's about how our culture thinks about stuff and how we as Christians also think about it. And um, yeah, as I said, I get to speak to you about suffering. So, as I said, we went to Queensland a few last week, and I'm going to put it up there on the screen. We hashtag suffered for Jesus. If you can see down the bottom, Barry Littlefield enjoying the Tropics 5, hashtag suffering for Jesus. Amen. Amen. We suffered for him. We did. We had, no, in all, um, we had a really, really good time. It was awesome. And I feel very, very blessed in my life because I really haven't actually, can't put on a situation where I go, I really suffered in that time. Um, I haven't been, I haven't had a, a disease. I haven't, oh, I haven't. You know, I've had a cold, but I haven't had a disease where I, I've been suffering through that, where I've been in chronic pain or I've, I've had depression or um, I've had anything like that. I, I, I find myself sitting here going, how can I speak on suffering? I've seen family go through it and I've seen friends go through it. I've seen a family member who's going through currently, was having, um, did have cancer, and that has now finally, um, he's in remission. But what comes from that cancer is just a constant amount of suffering, a constant amount of pain. And the the doctors just can't see what is wrong and what's happening and there seems to be no solution. Um, And I sit there and I go, wow, that's real suffering. Like, I don't know how. How am I supposed to talk about this? How am I supposed to talk about this? And then we went to the conference and during the conference we were given some master classes that we were allowed to do and we got to pick from about five. And one of them I spoke, to, I decided to go into the Open Doors. Has anyone heard of Open Doors? Open Doors Ministry? Yeah. So Open Doors Ministry help people that are in countries that are worshipping Jesus, but are in countries that don't allow the worship of Jesus. It started, I can't remember his name, he was a brother smuggling um, Bibles into Russia. Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew into Russia in a V-dub beetle. And he went through the border with a Bible on the side of his car and he went through with the boot filled with Bibles so he could get the good news into the country. And so in saying that, we got to go into this green room. So I don't know if you know where we went. We went to New Life Church. Has anyone been there? Holy, yes, you have been there. That's right, Nathan. We were there. Oh, my gosh. It's got um, a... It's amazing. The manse sits on the river. You overlook the river. So anyway, we got to go into the green room, the band's green room, which is pretty cool. Um, it's overlooking the river. We looked out. There's, you know, ducks swimming. We're on these really, really comfy chairs. They're sitting. I'm thinking, this is the band's green room. They've got coffee stations. They've got munchies. They've got these amazing, comfy couches. And then we get introduced to the speaker. And I can't remember his name. It's gone off the top of my head. But we sat in this amazing room, in this amazing church, and we heard stories that absolutely blew my mind. So we heard about this story about um, an Egyptian guy. He was um, an Islamic terrorist, and he decided one day that he was going to strap a bomb to his body, and he was going to walk into a local church that was there. And he walked in on a Wednesday, and... All the men were at work, so the church was filled with women and children. 
and they were there worshipping and he kind of walked in and there was kind of a few different places in this area but he was going to, he thought, well, I'm going to go to the one that I can hear the music from coming from. So he started walking towards the church and as he was walking towards the church, a um, security guard came towards him and told him to stop. So he detonated the bomb. And when he detonated the bomb, he actually killed the security guard. But not only did he kill kill the security guard, he actually set off a chain reaction where the church actually collapsed into the women and the children. And over 35 women and children were killed during that time. All they were doing was there was worshipping Jesus. And apparently, so the guy that I was speaking to, he actually got to go visit that, 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 um, that church and he walked through the doors and he was showing around and there was still building, the church was going back up and they were in there worshipping, but they had no roof and anything. And his uh, guide turned around and said to him, I want you to meet someone. And he walked up to this lady, and this lady was sitting at the front door, and she was all in back, black, and he's like, oh my, who am I meeting here? And then she looked, he looked, and the necklace was a picture of a guy, and she realised that it was a security guard's wife. And the security guard had taken on the job of the... Um, of, sorry, the wife had taken on the job of a security guard because she wanted to continue on serving in that manner and helping out these people. And I sat there and I tried not to cry. I'm thinking, I'm not going to cry because I was like this far away from the guy. I'm like, I am going to ball. This is not good. And then we heard about an Indonesian guy where over in Indonesia, because they don't have, um, I think it was Indonesia anyway, um, they don't have a translation of the Bible that they can get out to the villages because there's so many different, um, uh, like, languages so what they do is they put it on this little like box and then the box goes on the oxen's like things um horns and it basically like tells in the bible and anyway this guy got hold of this and he absolutely turned his life around on that day he gave his life to christ and he heard exactly what christ was doing for him but the thing is in his actual village was um they would worship another god and they would sacrifice that other god and the government came in and basically said that, told the people and propaganda and said, if you continue to let this happen, you're like, let them worship you or worship God. These people are going to, um, the other gods are going to bring like, you know, stuff on your village. You're not going to get good grain, anything like that. So they actually um, tore down the guy's house. They beat him, uh, beat him to an inch of his life. He had a pig that he had been raising from birth and it was his pride and joy and he was going to keep it for his family and they slaughtered it and they cooked it and they ate it. So this group came in, apparently they have like a rapid response team where they ring them and they're like, you need to get there. So they got there, they got the medical treatment that he needed and they said, all right, we're going to relocate you. Let's relocate you. We're going to put you in a place somewhere else. He said, no. He said, because then how can they hear the word of God if I go That is what I call suffering for Jesus. And sometimes we're in our life and we suffer. We suffer. So things that we could never even think of in our lives. We suffer silently sometimes around us in illness. We suffer in depression. We suffer if someone's died in our life unexpectedly or even not expectedly and sometimes we really suffer with that. And we see, well, the, the culture is that we see this suffering from God. 
If God is love, then why does he let us suffer? And I'll read you another text, uh, a message that I popped up on my Facebook feed a few weeks ago from a friend. So she's a friend of um, a school friend's mum. In what universe is it fair and reasonable for one individual to have to endure so much pain and misery, to be born with a mentally crippling intellectual disability, Smith-Menger's um, syndrome, so SMS, two holes in the heart, autism, scoliosis and hip disorder, with a um, long life course of surely, uh, surely bad enough, no matter, but no, Mother Nature or God had not finished with this little one yet. Just, so, just for good measure, severe gluten intolerance and epilepsy were added to the already incredible burden carried by this young lady. This brave young soul learned to cope with all these incredible afflictions and maintain a beautiful demeanor until she was about 18 years old. At this time, Mother Nature, or God, showed just how mean they could be by inflicting yet another layer of her infirmary into an innocent young's life. I won't say the name. Our granddaughter has just been diagnosed with schizophrenia and is clinic and clinic depression and is currently languishing in one Ward G at the Lyme McEwen Hospital. I am not a religious man, but I do ask for your prayers of positive wishes who deserve nothing. None of this has been, has been cruelly thrown at her. So the thing is, we look at suffering and we think, how could God do this to us? How can he do this? If he is love, if he is all good and all, everything, if he loves us so much, then how can he inflict this on us? See, the world sees suffering as death. The world sees suffering as an end. But the thing is, we as Christians, we believe that death is not the end. Through Jesus' death on the cross, we have life. I'm going to put up Romans 5, 1 to 11, which is our scripture. So if you want to have a look on your phones. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our love, Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of glory of God. Not only so, but we are also glory glory in our suffering because we know the suffering produces produces. That's it, thank you. Character and character and hope. And hope does not put us to the shame because God's love has been poured out into his heart through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. You see, in just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved when God's wrath throughout him? From God's wrath throughout him. For for it while we are God's enemies, we have reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have not received reconciliation. God never, ever intended for us to suffer. He never intended for us to go through this path. It all goes back to 
I've got a cough, I'm sorry. waking you up. It all goes back to Genesis at the start of creation, and we're going to look at 3, 2 to 3. The woman said to the serpent, oh, have I turned that off? Is that off? Turn it down. Oh, there we go. Excellent. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God said, you must not eat fruit from the trees that is in the middle of the garden and you, and you must not touch it or you will die. That was it. That's it. God's not saying to Adam and Eve that we need to not eat the fruit because we're going to die. He didn't mean that we're going to physically die. They weren't going to physically die. But when we disobeyed God and we had, we took the fr- when he took the fruit, we died spiritually. Because the greatness that he had created, the greatness that Adam and Eve were supposed to live in and we were supposed to be here, have heaven and earth together, it was torn apart. We became separated from God and in that became evil. And you know what? I sit back and I, sometimes I blame Adam and Eve and sometimes we were having a conversation here the other week and someone say, I bl- blame Eve because she's the one that makes me have, like, childbirth is just unbearable. It's her fault. But do you know what? It wasn't Adam's fault, and it wasn't Eve's fault. It was evil. It was the doing of the evil one. It was the doing of the serpent, because he knew that if he could drive a wedge between us and God, then he would have some sort of power over us. And that power and that evil is what brings suffering. God never wanted us to suffer. He never wanted us to be ill. It was never of his attendant. But because we had that break in God and of heaven and us, he said to us that, you know, we were going to have, um, bad, uh, I was going to have suffering, that we were going to have um, childbirth was going to be unbearable. It is unbearable. Um, and stuff like that. It's all because of the evil one. So suffering, what we're going through right now, if we're having illness or if we're having something like that, it's not God. God never intended it. But do you know what? We're not the only one who suffered. We're not the only one who's going something through something right now. Jesus went through something. Jesus suffered for us. And do you know what? As Jesus was held against, um, his, when he was, he was arrested, God saw that. When he was uh, beaten and spat upon, God saw that. When he dragged the cross as far as he could go and then he collapsed, God saw that. When he was nailed to the cross and the nails pierced his skin, God saw that. And when the cross was shoved in that pole and I'm pretty sure his body just ripped. God saw that. And when Jesus cried out those words, my God, my God, I'm going to get emotional. Why have you forsaken me? God heard that. But yet he didn't do anything. 
He didn't do anything because he didn't withhold the suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross because he knew in the end that would create, have us a relationship with him. He didn't withhold that, sacri- that suffering that he had. Then why would he withhold it from us? Through his suffering and his death on the cross, we now are able to have a relationship with him. And the times where we're suffering and the times where we're hurting, we have some options. We can run. We can run for it. We can blame. We can blame God because he is so easy to be able to blame because you know what? He doesn't answer back sometimes. When you're blaming him, we can blame the people around you. You can blame something for, you know, car accident, situation. Or you can blame the circumstances that are happening around you for your pain and your suffering. Or you could do something else. You could press into God. You could press into God's love, that he loves you, that he created you, that he wants to be with you in a relationship, that he wants to heal you from your suffering and your sickness. You can press into the truth that he is the one that he sent God, and so he sent Jesus here to have a relationship with you. In times of suffering, also it can define our character. We find out that, you know what, we don't hold all the, gu- oh, all the guitars. That's not working. We don't hold all the cards in our life. Even though we want to, and I sometimes I want to know exactly what I'm doing and I want to have control over every little thing in my life, you know what? I don't. I don't have control over it because I didn't want to be sick this weekend. I didn't want to come home. I had a brand new baby niece that I wanted to cuddle, but I couldn't. I don't hold all the cards. You don't hold all the cards, but do you know what? God does. He has a plan and he has a purpose and even though we don't look at it and we may be suffering and we may be thinking, God, why am I in this situation right now? Why am I feeling like this? There is a bigger picture. The bigger picture is that God loves you. God is not doing this to you. This is not of God's doing. And you know what? This is not the end. Because in Revelations 21, 3 to 5, I think I got, or 4 to 7, 4 to 7, he will wipe away every tear from their their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He will be seated on the throne, say, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I have given water without cost from the spring of water of life. When we have that revelation, oh, no, sorry, there's more. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. We have a relationship with God. We know that it's not the end. This situation, this season that you're in right now may be really, really hard, but it's not the end. The end is not death. 
there is no end for us. We have eternity. We have eternity with God where there will be no pain, there will be no suffering, there will be no crying. We will all live together in the Garden of Eden with God where heaven will meet earth and he will make everything right in our lives. And that's all because he suffered for us and he took it on the cross for us. So I thought that this would be a really good time for us to do communion. Can you lift that over for me? Is that possible? And I wanted to use this communion as a time... Can you lift it? (laughs) It's a bit heavy. Thank you. 